for number two of the press box on this Groundhog Day, the second day of February 2024. Mike Race along with our friends Colin Lacey, Bart Heitch. Later in the hour, Jake Crane joins us. But uh, in a matter of moments, we're going to talk to the man who will call Super Bowl 58 for an international audience next weekend. Ian Eagle, first and ten from the Baltimore 19. Shotgun Mahomes, pump and throw to the end zone. Handled by Kelsey for the touchdown. Jackson shotgun on second down. Throws, pumped by Flowers over the third. Breaks the play for the touchdown. The question is when he lost the ball. Oh, boy. Did they slap it out of there before he crossed it? on the field as the runner fumbles short of the goal line. Recovered in the end zone by Kansas City for a touchback. What a turn of events. Jackson looking. Jackson middle. End zone. Intercepted. And it's Bush with the pitch. Mahomes takes a knee. And that is it. The Kansas City Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. Viva Las Vegas for KC. That's how it sounded last week on Westwood One, the AFC Championship game called by Ian Eagle, who joins us now inside the press box along with Mike Collin and Bart. You know, my first heroes, Joe Willie Namath, uh, Kenny the Snake Stabler, those kind of guys, I found out pretty quickly that was not gonna, I was not going to be following their footsteps. So my next heroes were uh, Chris Schinkel, Keith Jackson, Dick Enberg, those types, and now add Ian Eagle to that list as well. Ian, welcome back inside the press box, sir. How you been? Hey, guys, good morning. Great to talk to you. Great to be with you, sir. Getting ready for Super Bowl 58. Uh, You and Charles Davis will have a call for a second year on the international feed, right? Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, Obviously thrilled to be a part of it. We have an incredible matchup. I'm doing some pregame stuff with Charles, with Jason McCourty, with Matt Ryan as well for CBS. We're on a secondary set, so when JB and the guys are moving from the Bellagio to Allegiant Stadium, we uh, are going to take over for a stretch there. So it, it's going to be a fun time. Looking forward to it. It's it's one of those events that has grown to a degree that I don't know if the NFL ever quite visualized this. It's, it's now blended into pop culture, and obviously with the Taylor Swift connection this year, it, it takes on maybe even uh, greater magnitude because there are people that <laughs> – that had no rooting interest, that weren't interested in football, that all of a sudden now have a curiosity based on one of the biggest pop stars of all time having uh, a connection to it. So pretty wild. And then look, here's the other thing for us old timers. I count myself as one of those. The games have been competitive for the last decade or two, and that really wasn't the case early on in the history of the Super Bowl. The the hope when you get to the Super Bowl is you've had all this buildup, you've had all this drama, and, and you've had a competitive action throughout the year. You, you want to get the two best teams in there. And ultimately, I, I think that's what we got. Kansas City proved that they could do it on the road. And San Francisco, I had them late in the season. I, I just think they're, they're so balanced. And uh, their coaching staff really has the finger on the pulse of, of what it is they do and do well. Ian, I want to go back to last weekend's game, the AFC Championship game, and all we heard all week was Mahomes hasn't won on the road, and can Lamar yep. this? Can when you're doing these games? Because I, you know, this is obviously not the same thing, but like I remember in some certain huge games, like when I was in high school in the Final Four, when when it starts going bad, 
you just can't get that mojo. It just never got started. Even though you got it to 7-7, Lamar just didn't seem like in the scheme, Spagnola. As you're doing that game, I mean, is it is it difficult to not like 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 fall into that narrative of here it goes, here it goes? Because you do an amazing job of just keeping it right down the middle um, throughout the course yeah. of the game. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how no, the it game went to me. It does, it does, and and it's so interesting you bring that up because I'm doing the game with Devin and Jason McCourty. Not only are they twin brothers and identical yeah. twins, uh, they they both played in the NFL for a long time. And they both just love ball. So we go to breaks, and they got the headset on. They'll move the mic portion of the headset up, take one of the cups off so they can talk to each other. And you think maybe they're talking like, hey, what do you, what do you think later? You want to get the families together? No, 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 no. They're, they're talking about every piece of minutia about the game. Well, if they move the safety over there, don't you think uh, they're rushing uh, on the weak side too much? So the first series of the game, we go to break, and I'm now listening in and joining in on what they're saying. And the first point they made is, why are you running Justice Hill on a third and one when you've got the Gus Bus, Gus Edwards, to establish your running game on the first possession of the day? What message are yeah. you sending? What's your game plan? And they nailed it, by the way. Like that, to me, was a harbinger in many ways, and, and a little taste of what was to come. They seemed flat. They didn't seem like themselves. I had them enough this season to know their their whole offense was predicated on overpowering you, and they went finesse early. And I think it, it was a tell in many ways that Kansas City thought to themselves, you know what, we have a good game plan against these guys. We have them off their game. Offensively, Kansas City did enough in the first half to build that lead. And then in the second half, didn't literally didn't need to score in order to win the game, but still maintain possession defensively. I I definitely think they they got inside Lamar's head a little bit. He started forcing throws. The interception that we just heard was a complete force. They were still very much in the game at that point. So you make a good point. There, there are times where you show up to a sporting event, you think one thing, and then. You get through the first quarter, first half, and everyone's looking around at each other saying, "Yes, okay, why Why does this team feel different? And they did. They, there was something about the Ravens that didn't feel like the squad that we saw all year. Too many Swifties in the house, I guess. <laughs> that might have been it. <laughs> I, you nailed it. You got to the bottom of it. And I know everybody is either – all in on Travis Kelsey or completely out with Travis Kelsey this year and everything that's been right. off the field. But talk about how special of a player and how special of a combination Kelsey and Mahomes have been not only this year, but throughout their career. Yeah. I, first and foremost, just in my dealings with Travis through the years, this is pre Patrick Mahomes. This is the Alex Smith time when we would meet with him and he was still building his resume and, starting to to really make a name for himself in the NFL. He was always incredibly likable. He was always positive in his attitude when he would come into these production meetings. And then he was productive when he was on the field. You could tell back then this guy was built different. So now all these years later, uh, he's gotten more attention than I'm sure he ever imagined. But you know, this was a guy that was looking for attention. He did a reality show, dating show, 
uh, dated a bunch of women. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I watched it. I thought it was part of my duty as an NFL announcer of course. to be prepared. Hey, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I needed to watch it, or I would not have been carrying out my responsibility as an NFL announcer. So I watched that. He ends up being on a, on a Showtime show with John C. Riley and Fred Armisen that only had a six-episode arc. I watched that. Again, uh, I wanted to be prepared next time that we, we had a production meeting that I would have the information that I actually put my money where my mouth is, that, that I'm paying attention to this stuff. He was great in that. Uh, the guy is really talented uh, beyond just football. And now on the football side, I, I, I think Gronk is thought of as the greatest tight end ever because he was such an imposing figure. There are so many highlights of him breaking tackles. It just didn't seem fair. It, it seemed like a man against boys setup. Kelsey isn't that way. He's big. He's a big dude. Uh, but... It's not in the same manner as Gronk, so I think the perception might be in many ways, like, oh, no, 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 Gronk's in a different category. When it's all said and done, this guy's numbers are going to be better than anybody's, and the connection with Mahomes is what took it to the next level. They're very honest with one another, brutally honest. They say what they need to say. That has been effective in their relationship. There's a very high respect level for what they do. And Kelsey initially was trying to figure out if this was going to work. And I think he'd be the first to tell you that he didn't know. It was a little hesitant in, in that way because they're not to say they were growing pains at, at that point. Mahomes was, was slinging it to everybody. If you remember the, the offense, the, the dynamic nature of the KC offense and Kelsey maybe wasn't getting as many touches as he thought. And then as the years have gone on, you're looking at six years. It, it's unprecedented what these two have done at the QB tight end position. Fresh off his call of the AFC Championship game last week, he is Ian Eagle of CBS Sports. will be the voice of the Final Four when it rolls around in March. Look forward to that. But Super Bowl 58 on his slate next week as he makes the international call uh, around the world. I want to ask about uh, the Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid. Man, how close is he to Bill Belichick territory now? Yeah, it struck me in the middle of this game when, when I realized, wow, Kansas City is going to go to the Super Bowl again, a fourth time in the last five years, that in every hiring cycle, we fall in love with the next young thing that steps in with a new scheme, a new philosophy. And meanwhile, Andy Reid is an OG. He's, he's mm-hmm. uh, just doing it his way. And he is creative. And he does know how to coach players. And he does have the right bedside manner. So... I think back to the Philadelphia stretch where he was taking them to NFC championships consistently, but not winning the big one. And ultimately, which it it does remind you in sports, sometimes these relationships just end and it's better for both parties to move on. And it ended up being better for Andy Reid to move on. Philadelphia got their Super Bowl. They got it with a protege of Andy Reid's, Doug Peterson as the head coach. And now Peterson has moved on. And Philadelphia moved on. So they're now two coaches removed from Andy Reid. But what's Andy Reid doing? Winning a lot every year. He was winning with Alex Smith. Now, maybe deep down they knew it wasn't going to be a Super Bowl with Alex, but they were a playoff team. They were highly competitive. And then Mahomes is, is just the missing piece. And he really is that good, that special. 
last week's game is a great example. It didn't even require him putting up these scintillating stats. It was him managing when necessary, making the right play when necessary. How about the throw to Valdez Scantling on third down at the end of the game? You know, not every coach is going to trust their QB no. to lay it out well, there. If you don't complete it, Baltimore is going to have a chance. Real quick, what about the first fourth and two off balance, off the yep. back foot, down oh, the middle to Kelsey? I mean, Are you kidding me to send a message? That's sending a message. Insane. Yes. Insane yes. throw, insane call, insane amount of trust. So I know we don't really deal with the dynasty word anymore because it's so hard to to actually be a dynasty in professional sports these days with contracts and egos and salary cap and what have you. They are the closest thing. They, they are right there. If they win this thing, obviously now they're going to qualify. When you win three championships in a matter of five years, then you're going to qualify. But the reality to me is they should already qualify. It, and they're not doing it the same way, guys. That's the amazing part. Uh, it's not like, okay, it's just the same version of the Chiefs. They just keep beating you the same way. They don't. They're, the mystique is not what it was offensively, but it's still good enough, and their defense is better than it's ever been. This is by far the best defense that they've had in this situation. Visiting with Ian Eagle, and he will have the call on the international broadcast for Super Bowl 58 coming up, not this Sunday, but next. When you look on the other side of it, Ian, with the 49ers, it's a team that – They've been really good all year, but have kind of not yeah. necessarily been that team that has been the most flashy, the most dramatic, but it's just been a really solid football team all year. Yeah, they, they were the first team to qualify for the playoffs. So they were out in front of everybody, and everybody knew how good they were. And then I think that in December, not that all of a sudden you didn't think that they were Super Bowl worthy, but you saw some some issues and some moments that made you question whether or not uh, they were the real deal. The Baltimore game in particular is the one where people started mm-hmm. scratching their head and, and saying, well, maybe you can get to Brock Purdy. Maybe this team isn't built for this. So it gave you some pause regarding the 49ers. Well, they get it done in, in the playoffs. The Detroit game obviously uh, was one of the great comebacks that we've seen in, in the postseason. But does it give you enough confidence going into this Super Bowl that they're going to put it together in the biggest of moments against this Kansas City team? What strikes me about San Francisco in our meetings with Kyle Shanahan, he is just incredibly direct. You ask him a question – he answers the question. There's no beating around the bush. There's no filling time until he circles to something else. He is among all the coaches that I've ever met with that I can think back on in the NFL, the most brutally honest in those sessions. So I can only imagine what he's like in film sessions. He just doesn't deal with uh, the other side of this, which often happens, which is, uh, Hey, I'll, I'll just say what I need to say in order to get out of this moment. That's not how he views it. He's going to keep it real. And I think with Purdy, who is very humble, met with him, but really confident. That's what, what struck me. I didn't know him, and we walk into the meeting, and you could tell how he could have command of his team and how the guys could believe in him and see the spark 
that he brought. Mr. Irrelevant, you know, that, that gets a lot of attention. The last player taken uh, third on the depth chart. But little signs along the way in his rookie year that, that he had something, that he had some swag that, that players noticed and recognized. And then it translated onto the field that he was running this offense better than it had been run with the previous quarterbacks in San Francisco. So I, I really like their team. Uh, I, I was in San Francisco the other night. I had the Warriors and, and the Philadelphia 76ers on TNT. A bunch of the, the 49ers were there, including Debo Samuel and George Kittle and others, Eric Armstead. And the city has gone gaga for them. They are a football town. They love the 49ers. And they've been waiting for this. They've been waiting for for this chance to, to get back to the Super Bowl and reverse what happened the last time they were there. And it's a rematch. It's uh, Shanahan again getting a chance to, to win the big one, just like his dad did with the Denver Broncos. Defensively, by the way, uh, I really respect what Steve Wilkes did. Steve Wilkes, the D.C., came over from Carolina. He didn't say, here's my system. You guys have to adjust to me. He did the other perspective which was you guys are really good let me adjust to you Mm. and that's what he did and slowly he started bringing in some of his own stuff and they they've had a blend but initially training camp into the first four to six weeks of the year it was all old 49er stuff that he was learning on the fly and using fred warner as as uh, feedback onto okay what do you guys like to do here what's been the the philosophy there and now uh, it's it's a fine oiled machine. Ian, we're out of town, uh, out of time, I should say. Best of luck, and we thank you so much for joining us inside the press box. And we'll be listening next week, sir. Anytime, guys. If you're going to be in Indonesia, just let me know. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> he is Ian Eagle here inside the press box. <laughs> <laughs>